Hi, and welcome to Enriched Perspective with Mike and Talisha Wallace, where we seek to shift paradigms through the exploration of biblical principles. I'm Mike. And I'm Talisha. Welcome Welcome to to the the podcast. podcast. Okay, so today we're going to talk about what motivates us. Mike and I have been having this conversation off to the side, and we just thought we'd share with you. To get us started, I would like to read a portion of a scripture found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And it says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we know this scripture has been used many times to justify actions based on motives. Mike, what do you think about that? Yeah, you're right. This is a passage of scripture that is used quite a bit um, when people's actions or their outside doesn't align with uh, what we would consider uh, something that's uh, Christian or, you know, spiritual or righteous or holy, whatever you want to call it. Um, A lot of times, to your point, this is used to help kind of justify like, well, God knows my heart. And that's kind of not what it's really saying. Um, truthfully speaking, this is really more so dealing with uh, the circumstances around um, the selection of the next king. Right. And we all kind of know that, but we still take it and pull it and put it into a different context. Um, in this particular case, of course, uh, Iliad, which was David's older brother, as well as some of the other ones, they just looked more kingly. They had the appearance, they had the stature that you would expect of a king. Uh, they probably commanded the room or whatever the case may be. And David, of course, wasn't even involved in the conversation, but he was the one that God had chosen. Right. And it's kind of funny because David wasn't no slouch himself, but he had the heart to align with what God was looking for as far as the character, you know, the, the capabilities and also um, the the um, what I want to use, the the desire to do what's right. Right. And that's where we kind of take it. That's why we that's where we kind of pull in that well god knows my heart mm-hmm. on the other side of that there is a scripture in matthews that talks about um people that actually look the part and of course like you said god knows the heart yeah for the pharisees i think it's in matthews what is it the 23rd chapter yeah, yeah the 27th through the 28th verse it talks about that where they're white on the outside and they look every bit the the proselyte that they supposedly are, you know, they have the right attire, the right garments on. But truthfully, on the inside, he described it as them being full of dead men's bones. And then he went down a little bit further and said they're full of iniquity and also unrighteousness. Right. And it's kind of funny when we say God looks at the heart. You are absolutely right. He does. And that can be to your benefit or that can be to your detriment. That's so true. And I was thinking about something that you actually wrote a couple of years ago, just talking about motives. And you said motivations matter, but they have to be pure. Otherwise, they're vanity. True, um, especially when you start thinking about things that are in relationship to to God. I mean, if your motives aren't pure and if you're not really doing things from the right place, you know, with the right heart, then it really doesn't serve you well in the end. Like say you might get you know, the praise and the adoration and you might get the respect and you might get the all the different accolades that you're anticipating. But in the end, um, as it relates to eternal life, because your motives weren't pure, you won't receive it. Um, I believe there's a scripture that talks about uh, individuals that said, well, we prophesied in your name. You know, we cast out devils in your name. We did all yeah. these different things under 
the guys that we were doing it for you. Mm -hmm. And he said, depart from me. You know, work iniquity. We never knew you. And it's because their motives weren't pure. Yeah. And then he even warns against um, doing things for, like you were saying, the appearance. Um, he talks about when you give, don't let everybody know what you're doing. When you're fasting, when you're praying, um, you don't have to appear to be doing these things for the praise of man. Because then you have your reward at that moment. And we're looking for that eternal reward as opposed to the earthly reward of um, the things that boost the ego or satisfies, satisfies the flesh. You know, True. Because, again, it's really easy to, to cross over into that that mode where you're doing things really just to just to appear right. to be something that sometimes you are and sometimes you are not. Yeah. You know, especially when you're talking about like spiritual things. So we talk about praying, you know, the Bible kind of describes it like they they make sure that they pray loud mm -hmm. and they pray long yeah. so everybody can hear them and everybody can see. And because of their eloquence and all the words that they can use you know people get all enamored and in awe you know and then with giving like i say make sure everybody know yeah. you know that you gave you know your 500 dollars mm -hmm. obligation or whatever right. make sure you come up to the front and you know everybody can Wave see it in the air exactly mm -hmm. whereas the, it talked about the widow with her might mm -hmm. like I say that's all she had but god was more accepting of that offering and that sacrifice than he was of the one that gave you know a large sum yeah. because he knew where it came from yeah and then he talked about fasting. <laughs> he said they, they you know, make their face look all ashy and dry, mm -hmm. you know, look all pious and hungry. You know, so people can be like, oh, you fasting? Mm -hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden now, yeah, yeah I'm fasting. Mm -hmm. The Lord put me on a, you know, a 30-day <laughs> or five-day <laughs> consecration, you know. Right. You know, you got your reward. There you go. Those are the things that you're supposed to do in secret and in private. It's, it's needful and it's necessary yeah. for your spiritual growth and development. But it only really has value if you're doing it for the right reasons. And you know what goes further. He actually says your father will, will reward you openly. Exactly. So, you know, I would I would rather have that as opposed to somebody oh, great, you know, or um, especially in the world we live in today with social media, people do all kinds of things for the likes and the hearts and the follows and the, you know, with the intentions um being for to feed something that's going on inside you know you maybe compromise who you are or whatever just to get a like or get a a heart or people to you know the things people see for um in that in that area true um and that's something that we also always have to be very conscious and and um careful about because it's very easy to fall into that that habit, yeah. um, you get used to getting the, the adoration mm -hmm. and the accolades of men, and you begin to seek that more than you do um, the adoration and accolades of God. Right. Um, especially, to your point, with the way that the social media is, and you know, you got so many different outlets um, that you can use mm -hmm. to be able to um, bring attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. And we always say, I'm doing it for the glory of God, but are you really? Yeah. And we have to take the time to really sit back and consider, like, am I really doing this for the glory of God or am I doing it for myself? Right. And sometimes, especially, I'm, I'm more on Facebook than probably any other um, social media site. Like I said, I don't have a Twitter page and I don't, you don't have Instagram and all that mm -hmm. stuff, but I'm on Facebook. And you look and you see, like I say, people will make comments, you know, or they, you know, they make statements that are of the spiritual nature, but they're usually digs mm -hmm. at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's not necessarily to, to bring glory to God, but it's just to get back at somebody that did something to me yeah. or said something to me. So I'm going to show them, you know, so I'm going to go on social and I'm going to blast 
everybody, you know, make sure everybody knows. So the ones that's familiar with the situation know what you're saying, yeah. know what you're talking about. But the ones that are not as familiar with the situation, they're like, go ahead, preach. Mm-hmm. It's like, you ain't preaching. You're trying to get somebody straight. Right. And that's not what the Bible says to do. You're supposed to go to them and don't. And them alone. Don't get on blasted through the whole, um, your friend network. <laughs> right. And it stems from you probably yeah. was hurt. You was offended, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, you want to make sure that every, you know, body come back to you because you're losing attention and you want the attention to be on mm-hmm. you for whatever reason. Um, a lot of different other reasons. Yeah. And again, we have to be cognizant of that, especially in this day and time. You know, what is the motives behind the things that we do? Right. Um, I know we wanted to get into um, just talking about some of the examples that you see, you know, in the Bible yeah. of, of different um, motives that drove people to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, in some cases it was good, but in some cases it, it was actually a negative uh, consequence that came behind yeah. it. Yeah. So I know um, we kind of we're going to start with the beginning. And, of course, our characters in that story would be Eve. Uh, she's our person of interest for that, um, for this topic today. What was her motivation for why she did what she did? Um, I don't know if you want to share what what do you think her motive was for what she did. But, uh, what do you think? Um, I think she, she did. Well, we talked about this. Like I said, we had this conversation before. And you kind of brought her up, so I didn't know if you wanted to continue when you said her motivation was ambition, um, just being ambitious and seeing the fruit for a different reason from what she was told not to do. I'm I'm not really 100% sure because you brought her up. <laughs> Don't try to put it back on me. Take your place. But, <laughs> um, I would say, Eve, yeah, I would, I would agree with you with saying that ambition was what motivated her to eat that fruit even though she had everything in the garden God that provided everything for them but maybe she felt like she was missing something after listening to the serpent and so maybe she felt like well if I eat this I will be as God even though that she was already made in his likeness and his image maybe she felt like she was missing something so that drove her to take of the fruit true I mean, when you look at it, like I say, uh, talking about Genesis, the second and the third chapter, towards the end of the second chapter, it talked about the things that were placed in the garden, talked about the, the trees. And every one of the trees were good for food, and they l- were pleasant to the eye. So that was something that was already understood. The problem that she had, to your point, was the enemy told her, like, uh, yeah, you know that, you know, you, you know that if you eat this tree, like, you're going to be as gods. And the difference is knowing the good from evil. And the funny thing is there was two trees in the midst of the mm-hmm. garden, along with all the other trees. There was there were two specifically in the midst of the garden that were identified, the tree of life, but also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And only one of those trees were really forbidden. Mm-hmm. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's interesting how... Life was sitting right there, you know, right in the midst of the garden, along with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she could have freely partook of the tree of life with no negative consequence whatsoever. There was no commandment given to state that you could not take from that tree. But because the enemy came back and told her, first of all, things that she already knew, first and foremost, is good for food, which it was. Mm And it was pleasant to the eye, which it was. But then he said, it's desirous to make you wise. wise. 
and say, and you'll be as God, knowing good from evil. And that's where that ambition, she wasn't satisfied with being who she was and in the state that she was. She desired to be more. Mm. And she was willing to do whatever it took to get to the more. And that's the part that was unfortunate. Like say her her motive was, I want to be as God. Mm-hmm. Her intention was to, to know good from evil. The action was, I'm going to take from the tree that I was told not to take from. Mm. I'm going to disobey God's commandments in order for me to achieve my goal of being wise. Now, you just mentioned three things. I'm not sure if we talked about that yet. The action, intent, and motive. And those all three played into what she did. Like, she did that because she wanted this or that with the intent of, I like that. That's a good way to kind of break down why people do what they do. Just got to be aware of that. And as we talk, I think we're going to, you're going to see that kind of flow quite a bit through the conversation. Oh, yeah. Like I said, that motive, that intent, that action. Right. And they all do drive one another. Right. Like say you're motivated by something. There's an intentionality. There's something that you're expecting to get out of this. And then you're going to do whatever you need to do in order for you to achieve the intended objective or the goal. Right. To fulfill whatever the motive is. Mm-hmm. And it, it was unfortunate. Um, like I say, her ambition you know, drove her to be disobedient. Mm-hmm. And we find that quite a bit. You know, especially, like I say, when you grow up in an environment where you're very um, strict, for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, a strict environment, you know, we have a lot of rules and regulations that you have to follow, and you don't understand always where they come from. Right. And instead of just accepting it for what it is, we feel the need to go out and prove something. And unfortunately, that proving usually leads us to doing something that's contrary um, to the word of God. Absolutely. And we we hurt ourselves and also others. Yes, we come away with the knowledge, but at what cost? Right. You know, and a lot of times when we talk about motives, like say kids, I'm going to show mm-hmm. them. Like, like when I get older, I'm going to prove to y'all that I don't have to do what y'all did or I don't have to be like you yeah. are. You know, It don't take all and that. I can do my way and... Exactly. But there are some things that were given that were just principles that needed to be adhered to. Exactly. Now, unfortunately, you maybe not understood what they were, but they were necessary mm-hmm. and they were intended to keep you from the troubles, the heartaches, you know, the pains that your parents may have dealt with over the course of their life because of some of the poor choices that they made. Yep. And that's what Eve had, like that paradise. Everything Pretty was, much. you didn't have to worry about anything. It was get up enjoy paradise and fellowship with god no sin none of that yeah but she just wanted to know yeah and that's a lot of times that's what gets us in trouble as we're motivated by just wanting to know Mm -hmm. and some things we don't really need to know we need to just accept what we were told you know and really trust the the source that it came from that what they're saying to you and what they're trying to convey to you is for your own good and for your own benefit Yeah, because their motive for you is love. Exactly. They want you to be happy, protected, you know, so they do what they do intentionally to make sure you get that. Yeah, and we're just going back to the ambition piece. A lot of times, like I say, we have enough. Like I say, we have what we need for sure, and then we also have an abundance. But because we are so driven by ambition, we want more and more and more, and ambition can easily 
spill over into pride. It can easily spill over into greed. You know, it can easily spill over into covetousness. And now we're being driven by these three things making this toxic mix in you. And you label it as ambition, but it's really it's pride, it's it's greed, it's covetousness, and it it pierces you through. You know, like I say, the Bible talks about, you know, we're not supposed to be driven by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Mm-hmm. And say, so if you have these things in you, then the love of the Father is not in you. Right. Because, again, these things are going to cause you to act and to behave in whatever manner you need to, to achieve your expected ends. That's true. Again, if you want more money, like I say, if you don't have the right heart, if you don't have the right motives, you'll do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like I say, if you want somebody's, if you want a certain person, let's just go mm-hmm. there. And like I say, if you're driven, you know, by the wrong things, you'll do whatever you need to yeah. do. And never you mind if it's your wife or if it's not your wife. Mm-hmm. If you want a position, mm-hmm. which is kind of leading into the next conversation. I think we're talking about, um, was it Saul? Oh, yeah. That's another good example. Saul, David, and Jonathan. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, in that one, and there's some good examples and also some oh bad yeah. examples of motivation. Um, for Saul, like I say, his motivation was he wanted to keep his position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking about, like, say, First Samuel, I believe, the 16th through the 19th chapter. Wow, so it's a pretty yeah. extensive story around that around that whole incident that occurred with Saul and with David and with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. This was after David was anointed king by Samuel. You know, he didn't immediately uh, attain the throne. Right. But the funny thing is he became Saul's armor bearer. And it was something about David, you know, that, that made him stand out. Again, that, that character, that mm-hmm. heart, you know, he had what it took before he even knew he had what it took to be the king. Right. But other people would begin to recognize it. But because he had the right heart and he had the right motives, like I said, he was willing to serve Saul in the capacity of armor bearer, mm-hmm. you know. And that was before he ever killed Goliath or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And Saul noticed it. You know, he he noticed there was something different about oh David because yeah. God was with him. God was, you know, make bring bring his success, mm-hmm. you know, his way. And he was directing his path. He was causing him to excel. Right. And David behaved himself very wisely as well, um, to the point where Saul's son Jonathan actually really mm-hmm. liked David. They became like close friends, mm-hmm. like to the point where the Bible says that their souls were knitted together, um, in love. They were just that. They they liked each other just that much. Mm-hmm. And in Saul's case, he realized that David was his heir apparent mm-hmm. because he knew that God had rejected him. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do whatever he had to do to keep his position. Right. And he saw David as a threat. And he wanted to get rid of him. He did whatever he needed to do. Yeah. Like I say, he lied, he connived, you know, he even tried to do it himself. He tried to set David up one time. Um, when he told David, I want you to marry one of my daughters. Mm-hmm. And David was like, I'm, I don't have any money, you know, I'm poor, whatever. He said, no worries, just go kill me 100 Philistines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a setup because he didn't want to do it himself because, you know, David, because he the way he carried himself, people respected him, they loved him, they admired him, you know, and Saul knew that if he did it, you know, it would come back. So he tried to do it sub- subtly, mm-hmm. but the whole intent was to get David killed. Right. And then there's other instances where, you know, he tried to s- send his servants to go cut David off in the middle of the night but David's wife you know because she loved him kind of warned him and helped him evade you know his potential assassins and then you get to Jonathan and I'm doing all the talking here but that's okay oh (laughs) but this is this is um you 
I'm enjoying it. Go ahead. Yeah. Continue. You're not supposed to be my amen. I'm listening. To to I'm listening. <laughs> I'm enjoying every moment. Anyways, so now you got Jonathan, you know, who was supposed to be the heir apparent. You know, he was definitely the successor to the throne. But because God was cutting off that entire lineage and he was going to establish David as the king. If anybody had real motive to to really get rid of David, it would have been John. Right. But he was quite the contrary mm-hmm. because he loved him. And because, you know, God had it's knitted them together. He did everything he could to ensure David's safety. Yeah. At times, even going against his father yeah, that's major. You know, and suffering some of the wrath of his father um, because of it. It was in one instance where um, David, you know, stayed away because he was worried. And Jonathan told him, like, don't worry. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But don't worry about it. You know, I'm, I'll see. Like I say, depending on how my father reacts to your absence, you know, that'll kind of determine, you know, whether you should come or whether you should go. And I'll send you a sign. Like I say, I'll shoot the arrow. You know, if it's shoot too far, that means, you know, you need to go. Or if I shoot it near, you know, you can come back. And he did it really almost to his own detriment and demise. Because yeah. his father got so angry at him, Jonathan, that he threw a javelin sure at him. did. Because he was so mad, because and that's the thing when, you, when your motors aren't right, like I say, you you just you get you lose sight mm-hmm. of things. Like this was Saul's son, and he didn't even care. Yeah. He was so you know consumed with trying to get rid of David that any and everything that stood in the way of him being able to do that, so that he could retain his place, ambition, mm-hmm. he was willing to do it. If it meant killing my own son, because that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. Wow. <laughs> and Jonathan, on the other hand. Because he was driven by love, whatever he needed to do to make sure that his friend was okay, that's what he was willing to do. Like I say, putting his own self in harm's way, even to the point where he knew that, like, what I am supposed to be by birthright, I'm supposed to be next in line to the throne. I know that God has chosen you because you're my friend. And God knows we all have a problem problem with Mm -hmm. that. Even though I'm, this is probably mine by right, but I know God has chosen you. So I'm willing to, with humility, step wow, back. That took a lot. That took a whole lot. But when your motives are pure, there you go. You will, you're able to do yeah. that. You're able to see things clearly. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That, now we're going to go to well you for that's, examples. That's a really good story. I highly suggest that um, you read that and just take out of it and just pull out the essence of these motives as as the story gets deeper and you start it's like watching a movie or if you like to read books like me um i, I love stories and characters and these characters have uh, wants and desires and they, and what they do to get them you know how far are they willing to push to get them it's amazing it always makes the story more stronger when that when you have that conflict um one of the one of the stories that i picked or that i i read that i found intriguing was um the story of esther and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but um, it, it's full of drama. It's full of, um, uh, there's some characters in there. Of course, er- Esther, she would be one of the main ones when she came on the scene. And, and how she became queen was unique. Um, they had a beauty contest, and she won. And the king the king loved her so much. You know, he had the different rules and expectations of his people when they came before him. He had to summon them. He had to call for them to come and, you know, stand before him. But she was just so beautiful. He he favored her of all the women that, that um, he had as wives and concubines and all that stuff. Anyway, so that's a little bit about Esther. And she had an uncle. Um, actually, it was a cousin. Her cousin, his name was Mordecai. 
Um, once she became queen, he would just kind of hang out at the palace and make sure she's doing okay and, you know, just see to her because she's his family. And um, the king had a right-hand man named Haman, and he was kind of um, next, you know, he's a kind of a big deal. And he would walk, you know, right around the town, and every time he would come out, people were expected to bow down and give him reverence and honor and would he look up to him or fear him, per se. However, Mordecai was one of those people that was like, oh, it's you. You know, he didn't really um, do what Haman expected him to do. He didn't bow down when Haman came by, and that kind of rubbed him the wrong way because Haman was a man driven by pride. His motive was just pure pride. Came a day where he just got fed up, said he was going to destroy all the Jews because this one man would not give him his respect. However, in the meantime, Mordecai had kind of overheard some plots against the king and um, told the king in the spare, spare the king's life. So time went on and the king had kind of forgot about that had happened. And I guess he couldn't sleep one night and his servants were reading the chronicles of things that were happening. And that part came up where Mordecai saved his life from the scandal they were going to kill him. And so the king was like, oh, I have to do something for this man. You know, what should we do? And so he called his right, right-hand man, Haman, and asked him, hey, what should we do for somebody that um, is worthy of honor and, some, you know, that did something great for the king? What should we do? And, of course, Haman, being full of pride, thought it was about, about him. So he um, gave this great suggestion about, oh, this person should have, like, the best horse, and he should have these great um, clothing, and everyone should bow down to him. And he just made this elaborate scene of what should happen to what he thought was for him. Turns out it was for Mordecai. And so that made um, Haman super mad. Of course, when you're full of pride and you're not getting your glory and your shine, you're going to retaliate. And he, he set up a way he's going to kill all the Jewish people. So that's where it came to that. And now it comes back Esther, and she devised a plan to where they could save the Jewish people, of Mordecai and Esther. Um, she eventually had to go before the king unannounced and risk her life to do that to save her people because she was driven by love for her people and survival. So motives can be for good things and you can use that that motive to help a lot of people and that's what she she was able to eventually save her people and the story is deeper and I'm not going to give the end so you have to read it to find out what happens to Haman but he got what he got his up and comings I'll just leave it at that this is an example for me what I took out of this story is not to be driven by pride (laughs) this man you know he he was something else and it's an ugly thing to to possess those things in your heart because you'll do whatever, as Michael said, whatever it takes to fulfill those urges or desires. And you have to have that at all times to feel like you're something um, keeping that pride and ego fed. Um, so that's a great example of not letting pride be your driving force. I had uh, what a list of some things that could drive some of us, you know, just why we do what we do once again. And there's a lot of good, good and bad reasons, you know. That can um, drive a person to do what they do. Um, one of the ones on the list was acceptance. You know, people are do some things that are out of character um, because they want to be accepted. And they'll they'll compromise their health, their mental wellness, um, other good relationships just to be accepted. Maybe because you were rejected earlier. The things just keep getting deeper and deeper until you get to the root of why you do what you do. You know. Yeah, and I know you mentioned a list. Oh, like yeah. Say you mentioned um, acceptance is one, but what are some of the other things that you oh have? Oh, boy, there? I have quite a few. Um, family, friends, health. 
you want, you know, you want to be healthy, wealth, power, love, hatred, purpose. Some people are purpose driven, you know, which is a good thing. Pride and eternal life, eternal life, revenge, our past, things that happened to us in our past could push us or motivate us to do good or bad. Some people are just selfish, just me, myself, and I. Acceptance, lust, um, fear, peace, influence, freedom, salvation, fulfillment, justice, pain or hurt, jealousy, being covetous. And when we talked about Eve having ambition, that's just some of the things that I was thinking about can drive a person. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So what are some of the things that you've been driven by? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I, would, I would say for sure family, acceptance, um, health sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm motivated to get it together, and other times it's like, yeah, okay, I'll get back to it. Um, wanting to know my purpose is a big one, just making sure that I'm walking in the purpose that God has um, designed for me. Acceptance was one. I don't know if I said that or not. When I was younger, yeah. That was a big thing for me. And and we were talking about the intent, the action, the motive. Mine was, at my young days, mixed up. So I was doing things. I did things for acceptance, doing the wrong thing for acceptance. And it in turn, my reward for it was not what I was expecting. I don't even think I really got the acceptance that I really longed for. But by the time I realized that, I had already made, like, mistakes, <laughs> you know. So... I had to learn that um, acceptance is, in my mind at the time, was acceptance was, wasn't really acceptance. You know, I just wanted to have, I wanted that, but it didn't turn out like that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really interested in power and all that stuff. Love, na- you know, love motivates me. Like my family, because it kind of all ties together, like my family and friends. I really care a lot about the well-being of my family, um, my my fa- my family here, my fa- my mother, mother and father, and sister and brother. Um, so those are just some to name a few. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I guess if I had to say what I'm motivated by, say of course love is one of the things that I've been motivated by. Of course, in my life, uh, fear has been something that has been a motivator in my life as well. Interesting. Um, also, just security. I'm looking for um, some level of security um, in my life. Like I say, growing up, like I say, we didn't have a ton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wanted to get to that place where I could comfortably <coughs> take care of my family. Sorry. And um, that was one of the things that really drove me um, from uh, education and career, trying to build a career and all that kind of stuff because I, I just really wanted to do something to be able to take care of my family well. Because I really wanted that security, um, financial security. Mm-hmm. Like say, from the point of love. Like say, I've always been a person that just wanted to be loved. Like say, I had a really good family. Like say, I feel like I'm loved, but at the same time, you still, you know, you just kind of feel like an outsider. You feel like an outcast at yeah. times. You know, I I just kind of internalized it. I didn't do too much to try to you know make that happen. But when I got married, of course, that's when you know kind of it all do whatever you need to do um, to make sure that you're loved and being and giving love as well. Um, I love my family, with my mom and my dad. Like I say, when I was younger, <laughs> it's a funny story. Like, I love my parents so much. It's like my dad specifically, like, I would be careful about how I 
even moved his clothes mm. because it was like I didn't want to hurt him in any way, shape, or form. And because I love my parents as well, that's why I didn't do a lot of things right. because I didn't want them to suffer any type of shame or to, you know, to have to pay for something that I did. Wow. Um, so that was kind of the things that drove me in fear um, was the biggest thing because you're just afraid. And it was really from a, it's kind of funny, from a salvation standpoint. Oh, yeah. I was more afraid of hell than I was loving God, wow. truthfully, mm-hmm. at the beginning, especially the early stages of my life. It was more about, I just don't want to go to hell, you know, because it was something that was preached and taught about significantly when I was growing up, you know, and I was definitely afraid. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't want to die and go to hell or I didn't want to miss the rapture. But at the same time, I still didn't necessarily do what it took, mm-hmm. you know, to not go to hell. Uh, and when even when I did get saved eventually, um, I had it took me a while to transition in my own mind as far as my motivation being instead of fear, but really transitioning over to love. Right. Um, before we get kind of a little bit further down that path, there was one other person that I think uh, would make a good example biblically, mm-hmm. um, one that we talked about oh quite yeah. a bit. We have talked about this character multiple times. Yeah, the rich young ruler. And in his particular case, he knew that there was something missing and he had everything that you could want. You know, he was rich. You know, he was a person of influence because he was identified that he was a ruler. And then he was young. So he had a lot of runway in front of him for him to continue to excel in whatever trade or whatever he was doing. But he realized that there was something that was missing in him and he was motivated enough by this gap, so to speak, that he asked Jesus, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, he didn't necessarily have to ask that question. I mean, he's pretty good individual um, by all accounts he was doing well so anybody that's looking at him from the perspective of the old covenant you know they would look at him and probably think that he was he was good to go but something was off and he knew that there was something that he was lacking Mm -hmm. so he asked the question and jesus you know told him like say keep the commandments and he said you know thou shalt not steal kill so forth and so on all the ones you know love your neighbor as yourself uh, just kind of paraphrasing and he said, I've been doing all of that since my youth up. But he realized, like, I'm still missing something. Mm-hmm. And that that void was motivating him to seek an answer. The problem was, is when Jesus told him, you know, okay, yeah, you're doing that. He said, he, he looked at him, he was moved for compassion. He said, okay, if you want to be perfect, sell everything you have and follow me. Mm. Wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> and it brought back some other things. Yeah. While he had this, you know, void that was motivating him to seek answers, he had these other motivating factors as well that caused him not to be able to act upon the answer that he received. Yeah. Like I say, I'm, like I say, just kind of paraphrasing or just, uh, imagining in my own mind because it says that once he heard that he had to sell all to the, give it to the poor and follow him mm-hmm. he said he went away sad mm-hmm. his countenance fell you know and he was saddened and he left mm-hmm. and i can imagine that you know he was thinking like man so you telling me that i spent all my life being good 
doing everything that's right, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. And because of it, I reap some great benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been able to attain to a stature, you know, of wealth. You know, I've been able to, you know, get a position of authority and prominence. And now you tell me to let all that go. Yeah. So you're telling me the blessings that I received by keeping your commandments. Now I have to let all that go and f now follow you. Right. But but that's who I am. That's that's how I'm known. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm recognized. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to give that up. Right. So he didn't want to sell all. Correct. All. Correct. Wow. And a lot of times it's where we struggle. It's like when you talk about motivation, it's like we have all these other things that's going on in the background that we're not always willing to admit to. Yes. And because we can't admit to it, we can't address it. We can't deal yes. with it. There's all kinds of reasons why, you know, we do the things that we do mm -hmm. or, or not do. There's reasons why when you hear like the word of God clearly and you know he's tugging at your heart, but yet still, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. And there's a lot of things that you were talking about, Talisha, just stuff that happened, mm -hmm. like when you were younger, yeah. different, you know, experiences that you've had or different, you know, circumstances that you've been involved in and saw, you know, how other people were treated in some cases. It impacts and affects how you perceive God. Oh, absolutely. And it changes your motivation for absolutely. God. Absolutely. You see people that may have given all, you know, and the outcome wasn't what you would have expected, you know, or like people that, you know, had ill intent. You know, and using, you know, the gospel or using the church, mm -hmm. you know, as a covering, as a cloak yes. for their malicious intent. Like you say, coming as sheep yeah. in wolf's clothing, yeah. doing damage, like hurting people, yeah. like say stuff happens in churches. It, it, oh it just yes, does. It does. People get lied yes, on. Yes. You know, people get seriously wounded, oh yeah. molestation, oh yeah. a whole lot of just stuff, stuff that you wouldn't expect to see yeah. in the house of God. Because you got all kinds of people yeah. there. And everybody doesn't have the right motives or the right intentions for being mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And again, if you're not looking at it from the right perspective, and if you're not spiritual, you'll judge everybody according to the actions of a few. Right. And that's unfortunate. That's so true. And then that can go the other way. Like some people, people mean to do well, and but it comes off in the wrong way. And people, and people can get offended and not even on purpose. That is true. A lot of times people, like I say, they have the right motives. They have a certain outcome that they expect or intention. But the reality is, is the execution was terrible. And because the execution was not good, you know, people do get hurt. Oh, yeah. Even though you might have had the right intention. You know, what you did, it hurt somebody. Yeah. And if your motives are truly pure, as you say they are, then you will humble yourself and you apologize. Right. I think a lot of things could have been easily resolved or easily taken away. If people just apologize, people just truly repent from the heart. Right. You know, just like, look, I didn't intend for it to go this way. This is what my intentions were, but unfortunately the action didn't align with my intentions. Exactly. And for that, I am truly sorry. What I intended to happen, what I intended you to get out of this, you didn't. Yeah. And for that, I am truly sorry. That is a thing that, as a father, I've learned I've had to, to do quite a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say that. And 
probably all relationships there is a need for apologies and enlightenment and corrections um especially if you have once you've been enlightened to but that's not working for me that hurt my feelings when you said don't keep doing it right and that's something that we sometimes struggle with like you say it hurts your feelings but i don't see what the problem is (laughs) and again it ain't <laughs> that's where it gets really hard because people like you're judging me based on what you think and how you feel. In all reality, you should be trying to understand how I think and how I feel. If it's really intended for my good, if it's really intended for my benefit, don't you think you might want that feedback loop? Oh yeah. To kind of understand if it's really helping. Right. You know, and a lot of times you just don't see that. And to your while your motives might be pure and while you might have good intentions, like you're failing. Mm. Yeah, just going in a circle. And it's unfortunate because you might, in this area, have pure motives, but now you're looking on the other side of it was keeping you from really getting that feedback and really being able to act on the feedback is another motive, pride. (laughs) That that keeps coming up. And the funny thing is you can have multiple motives. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and any given time they pop up. Know, given the circumstance, given the individual, yeah. <laughs> given the context, oh, yeah. different different ones pop up, you know. And y- but you want to f- strive to make sure that across the board, your motives are always pure. Absolutely, absolutely. Now w- we talked a little bit too in our side conversation about strategies and things that we can do to help us really get to our pure motives. And now you have some good suggestions on that. Yeah, oh, it's just one suggestion that. Um, I've got from just my work experience, there's this uh, strategy that they use to help you better get to the root cause of an issue Mm -hmm. um, when you have different problems that come in from the field. You want to understand, you know, what caused it um, at the root, and then how do we go about addressing Mm -hmm. it? So this one strategy they use is called the five whys. They say if you ask why five times, typically somewhere within the five, you'll get down to the actual root cause oh wow That's and when you start thinking about motives mm-hmm. like sometimes it takes about two or three yeah. or four to get down to the actual motive because you're going to start at, at the level you're going to be talking about probably the action itself eventually you get down to the intent mm-hmm. and then somewhere along the way you'll get down to the true like motive motive behind you know what you're doing oh yeah and it's, and it's it is kind of hard because it makes you think more deeply yeah makes you face face some stuff you probably don't want to face too oh absolutely and and that's hard for all of us again because it's hard to admit that you're jealous and that's really the driver behind you not treating this person as well as you could or should yeah you know you know it's it's hard it's it's a hard thing to admit you know that you're full of pride yeah it's sometimes even hard to admit that you love somebody and you say well that's kind of weird but you know, sometimes it's it's challenging because sometimes you've been taught to be hard. Oh, okay. You've been taught to be kind of callous and, you know, put on this front like nothing bothers you and you're above emotion and feeling. So for you to f- get down to the point where you admit like, man, I really, I just love mm-hmm. you. That's hard for some people oh, wow. to do. Huh. Interesting. And then sometimes it's also because... Again, like we were saying before, sometimes your motive and your intention might be pure, but your action might suck. <laughs> so true. Oh, it gosh, that's so true. You have to walk through that 
you know, to get down to the, the part that hopefully helps you understand where you're coming from and not just you, but the person that you're dealing yeah. with. A uh, one statement I have is that sometimes we spend so much time judging the action and not enough time understanding the motive and the intent. Like I say, s- stuff mm-hmm. happens and we jump right to getting going to the 10 on what happened and we we just judge the action you know to the to the left and to the right and we just know everything and we done finished mm-hmm. go to jail do not pass <laughs> go do not collect 200 yes it's it's like jumping to conclusions oh absolutely and actions sometimes cause you to jump to conclusions but to really take the time to step back from the situation the action itself and start dissecting it and really trying to trying and seeking to understand the intent like wh- what were you trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and then now that i understand the intent what was driving that intention mm-hmm. the motive you know it takes time yeah. it takes a lot of um transparency yes. it takes vulnerability a lot of us just struggle right. with so therefore a lot of times motives are just Head yeah. under the ground and you just don't know. And it ca- it what what gets me is it, it can cause a lot of damage. You you look back and see you hurt a lot of people or all these yep. people, you know, when all alone you were lo- lonely or you were hurt or like they say anger yep. comes out and sometimes it's is what's really happening is this person is hurt. But it comes yep. out as this or it, you know, it displays a different way. But truly it's something else. Very oh, true. That's so good. And again, we a lot of times we get so caught up in the action that we don't just don't take the, the time necessary to really understand and therefore you get misunderstanding mm-hmm. and now that's just fertilizer for that thing that's already motivating you anyway because you're like don't nobody yeah. understand me well no they don't yeah. and you don't even really understand yourself to be honest with you yeah but you i know, guess if you ask these five whys you can get to the truth You'll start getting down to the truth of the matter. And then you know what to start dealing mm-hmm. with. Because, again, you, you're dealing with symptoms. Mm-hmm. You're not really Come dealing on. with the problem. Yes. And that's the thing that we we really need to focus on, especially these days and times. You know, in a lot of our relationships, whether it be marital or whether it be, you know, parent-child, whether it be, you know, work. Mm-hmm. You know, just friendships or casual, you know, acquaintances. We need to start working on, you know, understanding not their motives first, ours first. Like, focus on you first. Understand what's driving you and why you're doing some of the things that you're doing. And if it's not in alignment with the word of God, pray and ask the Lord to help you Mm -hmm. to start correcting that. And find yourself getting aligned with his will and his way. Making sure your motives match his motives. That's right. Now you understand yourself better. Now you can start seeking to understand others. Because first of all, you have some empathy there because you realize like, yeah, I, I went through this process with myself and I'm kind of, you know, it's rough. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, just as an example, then we're going to move on to probably our last yes. point. Um, I remember, like I say, when I was saved for probably about hmm, seven or eight years or so and you know i was still kind of driven by fear it was like i was saved and all and i love god true Mm -hmm. enough but i was still just kind of operating with fear Mm -hmm. from the perspective i was just more so afraid to go to hell Mm -hmm. you know and it was almost i was more afraid of hell than i was of you know than i love god 
And I had an epiphany. You know, first of all, I had to realize that, like, why am I always still afraid? Like, similar to the way I was before I got saved when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, afraid that, you know, if I die, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm afraid that, you know, if, if the rapture takes place, am I ready? You know, and just living in that fear, mm-hmm. you know, of, of not being good enough, of not being able to, you know, attain unto that which I've signed up for. You know, I've I've say got I, I repented of my sins. I've been baptized in Jesus name for the remission of those mm-hmm. sins. You know, I've been filled with his spirit. And yet I'm still acting afraid and motivated by fear. Mm-hmm. Some eventually I realized, like, look, this ain't going to work. <laughs> it, it really mm-hmm. ain't. You know, and I started to really have just a heart to heart with myself. It's like I do love God and my love for God has to be enough of a motivation for me to do those things that's pleasing to him. If I do those things that are pleasing to him, I don't have to worry about missing the rapture. I don't have to worry about if I should close my eyes for the last time, if I'm going to make it or not, because everything that's motivating me and what's driving me is that I want to love you more. Yes. I don't want to prove to you I love you because I love you. I just want to show you that I love you, you know, and I'm thankful and I'm appreciative for what you've done Mm -hmm. for me. And it really just enhanced my walk. That's beautiful. You know, some things, like I say, yeah, hell is real. Like I say, if you're a Bible believer, you know that hell is real. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a Bible believer, like I say, the rapture eventually is going to take place. And if you miss the rapture, I mean, you're going to die death is certain true so some kind of way you're going to end up in a position where you're going to have to meet your mate true and for me it was like learning that if i could just love him Mm. if i could just be motivated by love all that other stuff will take care of itself oh yeah because he said if you love me you keep my commandments and it was just that simple isn't that something and all that other stuff i was worrying about and afraid of you know Scared this gonna happen, that gonna happen, and when you're driven by fear, it can be oh tormenting. Yeah. The Bible even says the fear has torment. Yeah, because yeah. you just not never feel like you're enough. You never feel like you're doing enough. You're always trying to overcompensate right. in a sense, and it's like you wear yourself out mm-hmm. and you get tired because sometimes you don't see the results that you expect. You know, but when you're motivated by love, it's whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Will I go above and beyond? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I love right. you, and it, it's my pleasure to do that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, like I said, there's a scripture I want to read, and, and it's going to. This is where we're going to kind of close out. Okay. At. John three sixteen. Oh yeah. If there's ever a scripture that kind of embodies what we've been talking about as far as motivation is concerned, plainly demonstrating or showing you what my motives are, plainly expressing what my intent is. And then telling you what I'm going to do in order to make this happen. Oh, yeah. John 3.16. I'll let you read Oh, it. well. Read. Read what the Bible <laughs> says. John 3.16. It should be something we are very familiar with. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and that tells you exactly what god's motives were it was love it tells you what his action was he gave his only begotten son 
And his intentions was so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you look all throughout the New Testament, everywhere is to back that scripture up. Yes. Everything was pointing to him giving of his life for our life. Yes. Everything was pointing to bringing us to the point of belief. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was all to demonstrate his love for us. Oh, it's beautiful. I think it's uh, Second Peter, uh, the third chapter, the ninth verse said, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness." And this was in regards to, you know, those that were suffering and going through. Like I say, and, and it seemed like it had been going on for some while, and they were waiting for the Lord's mm-hmm. return. But He said, "But He is long suffering yes. to us, were not willing that any should perish." Mm-hmm. Again, reiterating what He said in John three sixteen, mm-hmm. but that all should come to repentance, yes. so that you can obtain. Again, eternal life. If you look at almost also at Romans, the fifth chapter and the eighth verse, it said, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, yes. Christ died for mm-hmm. us. And it said, and, and, and again, it keeps going back to John three mm-hmm. sixteen. my motive, my intention, yes. my action. And then John, the 10th chapter, the 10th through the 11th verse, it said, for the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy he said i am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly i am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep my motive my intention my action and the thing is is like we didn't deserve it no. but it's because he loved us oh. i can say he said while we were yet sinners while we were still enemies you know, while we were still, you know, really didn't even know God, didn't even wasn't even trying to know God, didn't have any awareness of God, and was fine for it to be so. Yep. He already had made a way because He loved us just that much. That's beautiful. What a great example to follow. True, and everything that He did, like I say, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, mm-hmm. you know, the giving sight to the blind, the lame walking, the deaf being, you know, have hearing. You know, all the different miracles that he had did on earth was to cause us to believe. Yeah. Like I say, because, again, the belief part is so imperative. So that's the, he did all of this because he loved us. Yeah. And so that we can believe, so that we will not perish, so that we'll have eternal life. That's beautiful. And again, it's very clean. It's very clear. It really ain't no questions about about it. And everything that he did lined up with that statement yeah and and because he did that for me it's it's nothing for me to live this life for him it's 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 a pleasure it's a privilege to be in his be at peace with him and that's like i said that motivates when you find somebody that really loves Mm -hmm. you and somebody that really is for you Mm -hmm. you will get motivated that acceptance that i was seeking i found it in christ exactly that love I was seeking, like say, although my parents loved me, like say, it does not compare to the love of God. If my wife loved me, it does not compare to the love of right. God because He can do and has done what they couldn't right. do. His blood washed away all our sins. You know, right. His Spirit lives within us. He leads and guides us, protects us. Oh. Give you peace. Yeah. It's beautiful. He told you He was going to do it. He just said. Everything I, I just want you to believe in me. Yeah. He said, believe on me as the scripture has said. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living yeah. water. Everybody that thirsts, come. Yeah. He said, he'll give you something to drink. Yeah. Like 
said, you don't need no money. You don't need nothing. Just, just come. Just come. Yeah. He said, all you that are heavy and heavy laden, he said, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Yep. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Mm-hmm. He said, for my yoke is easy yes. and my burdens are light. Yeah. He said, he's, he's constantly been calling and seeking for those to save that, that which is and those who are lost. You know, and his motive has been the yeah. same. His intention has been the right. same. And his action still stands. Yeah. Like I said, that death, but only the death, but the resurrection gives us hope. Yes. For eternal That's life. Right. Like I said, he's the first fruit. And we're following after his example. That's right. Once he gets in and starts changing your life, your motives will change for the better. Absolutely. Like I say, he is the one that's able to seek and search the heart. Like I say, try the reins that's of the right. heart. And it's not to embarrass you. It's not to make you feel bad. But it's to bring make you aware mm-hmm. and then help you be able to make that change and transition so that you can be the best version of yourself. Like so we always tell our kids, like I say, if you, <laughs> you want to know who you are, like I say, you should ask the one that made you. Absolutely. And... Like say, if if you want to know who you are, you want to know what the best version of you is supposed to look like. Ask God. That's right. Like, say a lot of times we have so many other things that have been imparted in us over the course of our yeah. lives that have transitioned or you know darkened our motives. Mm-hmm. You know, and it takes it takes God. Yes. Like I say, you can go to therapy, and I don't knock it. I think it's a good tool. It's a great avenue. Right. You know, and it'll help to some extent. Like I say, you can get all of the books that you can. Knowledge is power. Like I say, thinking on the right things. You know, the Bible even tells us about that. That that will help. Mm -hmm. But if you really want a true transformation, you know, that really has to come from God. You know, he does. He's the only one that can give you a new heart and a new spirit. All we can do is take the one that we have and clean it up a little bit and try to dust it off. And it'll help us get a little bit further ahead it'll take away some of the misery and some of the the torments mm-hmm. but if you want to be free yeah and free indeed mm-hmm. like i said even whom the sun sets free mm-hmm. is free and free indeed like i said only god can do that and the thing is is he loved us so much that he paved the way That's right. and all he's asking is that you come yeah and that should be motivation enough Exactly. Like I say, when you got somebody that love you, and that's that's the one thing that really turned me from f- fear to really loving God is like, if he loved me this wow. much, mm. you know, what is it for me to love him back? Right. You know, it ain't about what I can get away with. It ain't about how little I can mm-hmm. do, you know, and still be, you know, on this side. Yeah. You know, it ain't, it ain't really about that. It's just... Once I really understood, you know, what, what it is that God has done for me mm-hmm. and how he's truly changed my life, you know, and what he's invested in me, it was like, it's nothing for me to love mm-hmm. you. You know, as a matter of fact, it's my pleasure yeah. and it's my delight, you know, to love you because there's nothing that I can render, nothing that I can give that could be compared to what you've already done right. for me. And I think that's what he was trying to get across to the rich young ruler. If you surrender all, mm-hmm. I have so, so much better for you. But he didn't stay around to hear that part. You right. know, so it's like when we are living our lives, we want to be fully given to God. Yeah. And 
the one thing I always say is hindsight is twenty twenty, and we do see the end because he said, if you give up mother, father, sister, brother, houses, land for my sake in this life, you'll be get it back. Said so with persecution though, mm-hmm. but you won't lose. And he didn't, like you say, he didn't stay long enough to hear that part of the speech. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because he didn't get his answer. Yeah. He didn't get that gap filled. So he went away still having that gap. Mm-hmm. Something. Well, that was that was um, all the points that I had in regards to um, what motivates us, what drives us. Um, I know if you have any more, I'm, I'm listening. I'm ready to hear. Nope. I think that's uh, pretty much it. Like I said, I think um, just some key takeaways. Um, it's just remember the five whys. Mm-hmm. And say if you're looking for a way to be able to kind of deep dive a little bit, you know, go beyond the surface. Um, and then also just remembering like motives, intent, action. Take the time to think about those things. Yeah. You know, write it out. Sometimes, it, remember, when you do things and somebody might take offense, explain. Yes. You know, this was my intent. This was the motive. You know, and ask for forgiveness. Like I say, and if you do those things, like I say, it will help enrich you and also it will give people a better understanding of you so they'll know how to deal with you properly in the future. Oh, that's so true. Well, that's our time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode has further enriched your perspective. Until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Talisha. God God bless. bless.